Hello family, my name is Brian and I'm the creative director of Legacy Church. We're so excited to have you here listening in our brand new podcast, Legacy Radio. We plan to not only have Sunday's messages right here every week, but also have content covering every challenge you face in your life as a follower of Christ. So follow us wherever you listen to podcasts or go to our website at LegacyChurch.com slash Legacy Radio and get connected because we know God is going to do more than you can possibly imagine. And now a message from our pastor, Jesus Hernandez. In 2003, there was a reality show. I used to love watching this. It was called What Not to Wear. I don't know if anybody's ever seen this show. What Not to Wear, right? They ran for 12 seasons. It was a show on fashion, and uh, they were like the fashion police. The two, uh, the two uh, people that were doing the show, the hosting it, they were they were well known uh, fashionistas, and uh, the families and the friends would call them up and volunteer their family member to go on the show. Why? Because they had no clue how to dress. They didn't know how. Either. The family believed that the way they dressed was horrific, and they would just. Get them on the show. Sometimes they were embarrassed. Oh my God, why did you call me in here for this? But these fashion police would, would help them with their gear. Sometimes we, you know, we tend to wear things that don't fit us right. Come on. I'm, I'm one that I don't like tight clothes. I'm sorry. I try to avoid it. But because um, it accentuates certain things. You know what I'm saying? You know, midsection and all that. So... You know, sometimes we have to wear what fits us. Sometimes we have to, uh, you know, look in the mirror sometimes. Because some people just walk out and look like they just rolled out, rolled out of bed. <laughs> Am I touching somebody's uh, nerve here this morning? No? So, how many know that fashion is a huge thing in this world? It's huge, right? Who likes fashion? Anybody like fashion? Yeah. Come on. Everybody has their own fashion. It's not we wouldn't be dressed. Everybody's dressed in a certain fashion, in a certain way. So fashion is a global thing. And do you know that the global apparel market, listen to this carefully, in 2020 sold $1.5 trillion. $1.5 trillion. And it's projected in 2005, by 2005, to sell $2.5 trillion in apparel and clothing. It's crazy, right? It's a big business. Some nations, what you wear, and specific clothes that you wear, is for specific events. How many know that? For example, we were just in a funeral. The majority of people come in dressed what color? Black. That's like a traditional thing. They commonly wear black. Celebrations in other nations, they require colorful clothes. Come on. Anybody here from Africa? Yeah. <laughs> you know how it is. You guys wear your clothes according to the the, the time or the celebration that you're having, weddings also, people, people wear their best clothes or the, the bride always wears a, a specific dress, color, you know? And the origin of fashion, do you know that the origin of fashion started in the Bible? How many know that? No? Yes? I always tell somebody, everybody, basically, that everything that you need to know is found in the Bible. If you truly look for it. How many agree with me this morning? It's all sufficient. Everything that we need is found in the Word of God. And fashion, if you look up the word, means a popular trend, especially in styles of dress and ornaments, 
or in the manner of a behavior. So also the second definition was a manner of doing something. Have you heard of that also? Genesis chapter 3 verse 21. It's in the Amplified Version. You're taking notes. This is a teaching today. Genesis 3 verse 21 states the following. And this is, this is very interesting. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? No? The Lord God made tunics of animal skins for Adam and his wife and clothed them. From there on, mankind would wear, during that time, clothes similar to what Adam and Eve wore. So the first design of clothing was done by who? By God, right? It wasn't Calvin Klein. It wasn't Versace. It wasn't Gucci. Or not, no, none of those people, right? Ralph Lauren, no? The word fashion is also used throughout the Bible, meaning being created in Hebrew. Like, for example, he fashioned the earth. If you look, at, look for it, different, different uh, translations say that God fashioned the earth. He fashioned Eve from Adam's rib. And how many know that we were all fashioned in the image of God? Come on. So far, so good? And throughout the entire Bible, we see, we see it. We see this definition. We see how society was defined by fashion, believe it or not. Luke 16, verses 19 through 21, talks about the following. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple. Isn't it interesting how the Bible goes into detail sometimes? It's for a reason, though. He's showing something here. He's showing a social status. There was a rich man dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. We've heard the story of Lazarus and the rich ruler, right? Believe it or not, beggars back then wore a specific type of tunic, and they would come with the little cans, right? And we say alms. That was what they wore so that people knew they were beggars. Also, blind men would wear a certain type of uh, clothing so people could know they were begging because usually when they were blind, they couldn't work. And they were subject to begging from their life, you know, from there on, correct? Genesis 37.3. Genesis 37.3. When you have a say amen. Genesis 37.3 states the following. Now Israel, Jacob... Loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a distinctive multicolored tunic or coat. His brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than all his brothers, so they hated him and could not find it within themselves to speak to him on friendly terms. So here's another description of clothing. The tunic at that time of many colors signified tribal leadership. It signified a ranking. So when their brothers saw that the father put that tunic on Joseph, they immediately became jealous of his clothes and of the leadership that he was being given. So you're following what I'm saying this morning. I'm trying to build something. So jealousy sparked from that moment on from that garment. And as I always teach, there's a correlation between the natural things and the spiritual things. There's a correlation or similarity between the unseen world and the seen world. Okay? 
And the Lord transfers his design to Moses as well. When he's with Aaron, the high priest. And he tells Moses that Aaron needs to wear a specific outfit called the ephod. Say it with me, the ephod. It was a special ornament, handcrafted item with great significance and symbolic weight. The ephod was made of gold, purple, scarlet yarn, and twisted fine linen found in Exodus 28.6. It would have onyx and gold engraved with the, with the 12 tribes of Israel engraved in the gold. With six on one side connected to a chain, to the other side there was six. Onyxes with gold connected, right? The details of the designs take a lot of the scriptures. In the book of Exodus, you see how, how they go into detail, speaking about the ephod and this, this specific garment. See how God is about fashion, right? He's considered, he was telling him to, to do something, to, build, to create something for him so that the priest can come into his presence with a specific garment that has symbolic meaning to it, right? Do you want to hear something very interesting? See, this, the only spe- the, this was a special person that could only wear this. It had to be a high priest when they were ready to serve and go into ministry, to be ordained, correct? And this is what the Bible talks about, that this specific garment, right? We know that in the Bible, the, the, the prophets spoke on behalf of God, correct? And the priests would speak on behalf of God. But did you know that this specific garment would be used to communicate? They would use this garment and ask the Lord. I don't know how they did it because I tried to really search this. But some way, somehow, this garment would be used once the high priest had it on. And he would come before the presence of the Lord in the tabernacle. He would ask questions to the Lord and the Lord would answer him through the garment. Isn't that crazy? And then, that's a whole other level of gear, right? Think about it. Your clothes will talk to you and give you answers. It's crazy. Later on, you hear that Samuel the prophet was wearing the linen ephod as well. So even the prophets would wear this. The priests would wear it and the prophets. So sometimes we thought that when the prophet would, would hear something from the Lord, it was because they heard a tangible voice, but it was through the, this garment that somehow, some way, somehow would communicate to them. I don't know if anybody ever heard this, no? And then later on, we hear that King David picks this up, picks this ephod up for himself. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I'm building my foundation for what I'm about to share this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 30. When you have a say amen. Thank you for that. Three amens. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Are you ready? Now what happened when David and his men came to Siklag on the third day that the Malachites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. So David and his men had traveled, and they had gone out to battle. When they came back, they noticed that they burned down the city and they took all the women and all the children, their children, these soldiers' children and women, right? Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. 
And David's two wives, Ahinom, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all those people were grieved, every man his son and his daughters. So they immediately started blaming David for it. They started blaming the leader. Listen, you messed up. We should have been here. All of a sudden, we came back, and our wives and our children are, are no longer here. But watch, what, watch this. Watch what the Bible says. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. How many of you have to encourage yourself sometimes in the Lord? When you're by yourself or you feel like you're by yourself. Have you ever spoken to yourself? I see, I, I've seen people speak to themselves all the time. And they didn't have no AirPods. They weren't talking on the phone or nothing. But sometimes you have to look in the mirror and talk to yourself. And say, hey, listen. You know, I know you don't feel like going to preach today. But you got to share this word. And you have to encourage yourself. Come on. Has anybody done that? Or is that only me? I'm sorry, you guys are perfect, yes? Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. And look what David does. Immediately, David changes his outfit. He says, I can't do this on my own. I can't fight this battle without the Lord. I can't fight the battle the way I used to fight my, fight my past battles, right? This is a whole other level of battle now. They took our children, they took our seeds, they took our future of, of the nation of Israel. This is a whole nother level. I, I can't fight the way we've, I've fought before. Many of us want to do things how we've done them before. I was talking about how God, you know, when David slew, slew, uh, slew the, the bear and he slew the lion. Every fight's a little bit different though. How many know that? Usually it's, you know, I know that we go from glory to glory, but I know that tests get harder and harder. You think the enemy wants to see you succeed? He despises us. We're made in the image of God. So every time he sees us, he sees Jesus. So he's always going to come after you. He'll use family to come after you. He'll use church folk to come after you. Come on. He'll use employers. He'll use anybody to come after you. And when that happens, you have to use your spiritual armor, right? How many agree with me this morning? Many of us want to do things the way we... Done, have done them before. We act like we've acted before we were saved sometimes. Sometimes we act like our old selves. Yes or no? Am I hitting a nerve this morning? But the place that you're in or the situation you're facing requires change. I'm going to repeat that one more time. The place that you're in right now, the situation that you're facing right now requires a change. Amen? There are some battles that are going to totally require God's intervention in your life. And the way, and you're dressing, and you looking the, the way you used to look, or sound, or act, is not going to work this time around. Are you following what I'm saying? You need a change of gear. You need to step it up. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. You need to step it up. And I'm not talking about natural clothes now. I'm talking about spiritual garments. Can I go deeper this morning? Verse 7 states the following. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Amalek's son, 
Please bring me the ephod here to me. He knew that he needed to change himself. He, needed, he knew that he needed to go that, into that place, that deeper place. Sometimes we need to go deeper in the presence of God. Sometimes we need to change something in our lives that, that, that has us stagnant. We keep falling in the same ditch. You know a dog falls in the ditch and he won't fall in the same ditch again? It only takes one time. But we see the same things happening to the same people all over and over again. And they'll come and say, oh, pastor, this happened to me. I'm like, didn't that happen to you like three times already? Don't you get it? You got to change? Don't you get it? You've been divorced four times. The problem is not the husband, it's you. Sorry. <laughs> or vice versa. It's not the wives, it's you. Come on. There's a change that has to take place. And it's a spiritual change. And David then uses the ephod to communicate to God. Right? He uses the priestly garment to get help from the Lord. Can I fast forward uh, to this century right now for a moment? I know that you might be thinking, this story is a little hard to believe. A garment that speaks, that communicates, right? Clothes can't communicate. That sounds like science fiction, Pastor. Yes? No? You know there's a, a trending technology that's happening right now as we speak? Listen to this. Are you ready? Investigators at MIT, right, have developed a one-of-a-kind wearable software, hardware clothes that are capable of optically communicating. The latest product in textiles and fibers, researchers created embedded high-speed optoelectronic conductors, devices that includes light-emitting diodes, LEDs. These devices are woven within fiber into soft, washable fabrics and made into communicating systems. We're talking about clothes that speak now. Clothes that communicate. You can do this research. Do your due diligence after you leave here. I'm not making this up. It's crazy. Such development provides a milestone in creating smart fabrics. That's what they call it now. Smart fabrics. They have the integrated semiconductor devices ultimately providing fabrics to have sophisticated, sophisticated functionality of modern electronics. Clothes that will communicate with your cell phones. Clothes that will communicate with others. That came, see, but that came from the wisdom of God. How many know that, right? Remember, we were fashioned image. The modern day clothes cannot communicate with God. No matter how much they try, there's only a mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus the man. Come on. That's the Lord himself. So David, verse 8, inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this truth? Shall I overtake them? Remember that David has fought so many battles at this point. And even though he had, has fought so many battles, he has succeeded, he still inquired of the Lord what his next step is. Come on. Because he knew that things change. Situations change. And he, wants to, he wanted to be correct with God. He wanted to make sure that whatever steps he takes are ordered by the Lord. Come on. Remember, he's the one that said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He was a shepherd. So he understood that in the... Back then, there wasn't any light, light towers or lights, posts. When, when it went dark, it went dark. 
And if you didn't have a candle with you, you couldn't see anything in the field. So he, they used to wear these little contraptions with a, with a candle sitting on their legs. And as they walked the fields, they, they, they could see the path. You follow what I'm saying? So he said, that word is like a light into my feet and a lamp into my path. Where that means that even if it's dark around me, as I walk with you, Lord, I can see forward. I can see. I won't trip. I won't, I won't fall in a ditch. It's the word of God that keeps you from falling in a ditch. Come on. It's the word of God that keeps you from, from making the same mistake over and over again. It's the word of God that will keep you safe. And David understood that. And he still, with all these battles, he didn't say, oh, I got this, Lord. I know what I got to do. I'm just going to do this. He said he inquired of the Lord. With the ephod on, he asked the Lord, shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover it all. So the Lord spoke to David through the ephod to pursue his enemies because he was going to win. Amen? And we know the end of the story. David and his army recovered it all. And then some. Putting on the right outfit for the right occasion. How many agree with me this morning, right? There was another instance. First Samuel, when the Ark of the, the Covenant, the Ark of God was stolen during a battle in, of, with the Athic, the Ark was the presence of God that was held housed in this Ark. Correct? And I'm just going to go quickly through this. It ends up in the house of a man called Obed-Edom for three months. Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 11. Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 11. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And listen to what it says here, the second part of the verse. And the Lord blessed him and his entire house. The ark of the Lord was in Obed-Edom's house. A Hittite. Right? And what happens in his house? There's a blessing that comes into his house. When you, when, you bring, when you allow the presence of God to be in your house, when you, put, when you allow the presence, when there's worship in your house, when there's, when there's communion with God in your house, the blessing of God is over your house. When you put God in, in, in everything that has to do with your life, the blessing of God is there. Amen? You can clap if you want. That's where the blessing is. We struggle to figure that out, but it's very simple. When God is the center of your house, when God is the center of your life, the blessing is tangible over your life. Come on. Wherever the presence of God is, there's blessings. And you want to see the tangible blessing of God. You want to see it in your house. We want to see it here at Legacy Church. That's why he is first and foremost. Above all things, if we just come here and play music, and I speak like an orator, a public speaker, and the presence of God is in here, then we're wasting our time. Without that presence, without that glory, we're just like a, a tin can making noise. So every time, all our prayers, I know our leadership prayers in the morning here, we pray all the time. Lord, Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way this morning. We invite you to come and move mightily. We want those who walk through those doors burdened, filled with, with depression, anxiety, stress. Those who are coming through those doors feeling sick. 
We declare that there will be miracle signs and wonders and they will walk away knowing that there is a God that is the same yesterday, today, forever. The God that saves, heals, and delivers. Come on. Without His presence, where would we be? Without His glory, we'd be wasting our time. And verse 12 states the following. Now David was told, the Lord had blessed the house of Obadiah and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God for the house of Obadiah to the city of David with rejoicing. He was excited because they had recovered the, the ark, the presence. David understood that. David understood that if the presence of God is not with them, they're done. Right? So when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and fattened calf. So every few steps that they would take, once they, they took in the ark, they would do a sacrifice of, of praise and of animals, right? To thank him. But what happened? On verse 14, it states the following. He was wearing the linen ephod, which also symbolized righteousness. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark, the Lord was shouts and the sound of trumpet and praise, right? Can I, can I tie this message together this morning? The book of Zechariah 3 talks about the following. Verse 1, Zechariah 3. It says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Bible says that Satan is the, the accuser of the brethren. He's always trying to whisper things in your ears. How many know that? He's always trying to tell you you're not worthy. You're not going to be used by God. He whispers in your ear. He says, you're not going to live a long life. He tells you, listen, the same way your father died, you're going to die. The same way your mother died, that's how you're going to end up. The same way. And he's always trying to whisper things in our ears. But how many know that we, we are the righteousness of God? How many know that God has called you? He has set you apart. He has ordained you. He has lifted you off from the miry clay. And he has given you his spirit and purpose. And you're worth something because of him. Amen. And David was dancing before the Lord, excited. And then Zechariah talks about this. It says, then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing on his right side to accuse him. Then the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Isn't it awesome when sometimes you don't, you don't even have strength to fight your battles? I can just picture, this isn't, this isn't Joshua from Jericho. This is Joshua the high priest. It's a different Joshua. But he's, he's going through something. You can see because the, the enemy's standing next to him, whispering to him. And God shows up and, and, and he says, the Lord rebuke you. I rebuke you. Saying, get off my child. Get away from my son or daughter. The Lord always has your back. How many agree with me this morning, right? The Lord rebuke you. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. It's not this man, is this not this man of burning sticks snatched from the fire? Verse 3. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. I have taken away your sin. And have put fine garment on you. The minute you receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, He takes away your sins. 
those dirty garments that you've had, and he puts fine linen on you. How many agree with me this morning, right? And Isaiah 61, I've shared about this chapter, but it's connected to this whole thing about being dressed with the ephod and being dressed in righteousness, right? This was a prophetic word by the prophet Isaiah. He was talking as if he was talking like Jesus. He spoke like if he was speaking, but it's really a prophetic word that Jesus, if you look for it, in Luke 4, it talks about the same chapter. When Jesus goes into the temple and he repeats the same thing I'm about to read. Do you have it? Isaiah 61. Take notes, guys. It says here, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim victory to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Don't forget, remember those who mourn wore specific clothes, correct? To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, are you ready for this? The garment of praise for spiritual heaviness. This is a prophetic word about Jesus. And he, and he went and he, to the temple and he opened the scrolls and he read Isaiah 61. And as he read it, he mentioned this part, right? The scrolls talked about this. The garment of praise, the spirit of heaviness. When you receive Jesus, that heaviness that you have that the world brought upon you, all that filth that you picked up on, on the way from the world, Jesus gives you a garment of praise. He says, I took that filth. I died on that cross for you. I removed all that filth. And I, and, and I want you to be excited about that because you no longer are filthy and dirty. You are righteous. You are my righteousness. You are the righteousness of Christ. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. And we are the righteousness. So stop walking around with condemnation. The Bible says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You have been given the garment of praise, of righteousness. That natural ephod that used to be placed on, on these, these men in the Bible. I'm not going to jump myself, but you know where I'm going with that. That garment is now in you. And I'm going to explain to you why. Can I go to the New Testament? I'm going to jump into the New Testament now because I always like to confirm the Word of God. Any story that we go, that I read from the Old Testament, I always come, I like to come back to the New Testament. The grace. The story of Lazarus is a great story. The book of John chapter 11. I'm going to go through, through it quickly because I'm running out of time. The book of John chapter 11 talks the following. Verse 25. At this point, Jesus was found out that his friend, Mary and, and Mary's uh, brother, and Martha's brother had passed away. And they came to him, Lord, your friend Lazarus passed away. And Jesus said, oh, he's just sleeping, right? And, and he, he said, they continue for two more days. And they, they sent him a message. Then he, they said, listen, he was sick, he passed away. You know, we want you to know Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm going to head over there, but I want you to know that. Because they were insisting so much that he said, you know what? He's dead. But I am the resurrection and the life. 
I could go over there and change that whole situation in the blink of an eye. Verse 25 states the following. Jesus said to her when he arrived, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Verse 27, I'm jumping to 27. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into this world. Let's jump to verse 40. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So he took away the, so take away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. See, he had something called grave clothes. He was wrapped in linen and he had grave clothes. As a matter of fact, I could picture him bouncing out of there. Because he was tied up, he was wrapped up. And Lazarus bounced right in front of Jesus, right? And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and, let him, and loose him. This was a prophetic word about what Jesus was about to do for, for his people. This is a prophetic word. There's another story. I'm going to give you the two stories and then I'm going to close with the final story. Blind Bartimaeus. Mark 10, verse 46 through 52. I'm just going to start reading it. Now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm, going to sit, I'm just going to point something out here quickly. As he heard that Jesus was coming, he shouted, Jesus, son of David. Somewhere, somehow, he figured out that Jesus came from the lineage of David. And that if he came from the lineage of David, he was the Messiah, the Christ, right? And he shouts out to him. So Jesus stood and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And this is the, the scripture, the verse that, that I want you guys to really listen to carefully. Verse 50. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. You see, I told you before that I'm talking about garments this whole time. Society had labeled this man as a blind beggar. The garment that he was wearing said, you are condemned to a life of begging. You're, you're condemned to living this type of life for the rest of your life. But what blew me away was the fact that he had the faith to say, you know what, he didn't come with the garment on. The Bible really, when the Bible sh says something, you got to pay attention to it. Don't just read through it quickly. He said, I'm no longer going to have this anymore. By faith, he said, this is no longer part of my life. There's so many of us that are still struggling with things because we don't release the garment of our past, release the garment that has us burdened, release the garments in our lives that, that have us in the condition that we're in. And weeks go by, months go by, years go by, you struggle because you don't release that garment. 
And you, you, as a matter of fact, when you receive Jesus and you receive that, that righteousness from him, you tend to want to put some garments back on. And you bundle yourself. You layer yourself with all these garments. And this morning, the Lord had me preach this message to tell you it's time for you to release these garments. It's time for a makeover this morning. It's time for you to stop living in the past. It's time for you to stop reliving the past. Come on, that's what many of us do. We're always reliving everything that we've done. Oh my God, I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and, I, and you're living this con- condemnation consistently. And you can't move forward until you release that. You can't walk into the, your purpose until you release all those garments. Because he's going to exchange those garments with garments of praise and righteousness and healing. Because look, Lazarus, that's resurrection right there. The power of the resurrection of the Holy Ghost. He could resurrect any situation in your life. How many believe that, right? Not only that, here's another garment, the garment of healing. Because the minute he released that, a supernatural thing took place. What happens here? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, because Jesus said, so So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. This is what Jesus says. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I didn't even have to lay hands on him, he said. His faith healed him. His faith in God, knowing that he, he moved and he took, remember, his faith without works is dead, right? He believed, he said, I'm taking this off. And Jesus said, just that action that you just took right now caused a miracle in your life. That action that you just did in faith caused you to, to see again. And your life will never be the same. We know that once he, he took that off, he was able to to live a life and work and do things that he couldn't do before. Many of you cannot do certain things until you release those garments. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And you're waiting for God to do certain things and God's like, no, take off the garment. When you take off that garment of condemnation, take off that garment of, of, of whatever you're wearing, the minute you release those garments, you're going to see my, my glory. You're going to see them because those are actions of faith. Let's get up on our feet this morning. We never want to finish the service without giving somebody the opportunity to receive Jesus as the Lord of their life. If you're watching online, this could be you right now. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life because of condemnation, because of you feel dirty, you feel sinful, you've done so much, there's no person that God cannot reach. David said it clearly when he said this. He said, if I make my bed in hell, you'll be there right with me. He knew that God would never leave him, never forsake him. The Lord loves you with, with an eternal love. There's nothing that can separate you from his love. All you have to do is just confess and believe that he is Lord. And the Bible says that you will be saved. Let's just do this simple faith declaration. Let's everybody close your eyes, repeat after me, say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus. I thank you that he came and he died in my place. That he took my pain. That he took my shame. And then he died on that cross. And on the third day he rose again. And I know that in that tomb he left it all behind. He left all my shame, all my pain there. And I thank you Lord Jesus. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. You are my Lord. And I am yours. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise this morning.